Well, today we're going to be talking about the day of rest in Genesis chapter 2, but to begin with, Matthew uh, chapter 12 and verse 9 to 14 says, Now when he had departed from there, talking about Jesus, he went into their synagogue, and behold, there was a man who had a withered hand, and they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? That they might accuse him. And then he said to them, What man is there among you who has one sheep, and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value then is a man than a sheep? Therefore it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the, the, to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and it was restored as whole as the other. And then the Pharisee went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. So, you cannot heal on the Sabbath, but you can plot to kill someone on the Sabbath. Yeah, yeah, that that makes perfect sense to me. Unfortunately, this kind of thinking fits most of us in one context or another in our life, without even thinking about it. You see, we all tend to get judgmental about about this issue or about that issue. And when it comes to uh, denominational mindsets, the judgments can even get wider in these areas. And at the top of that list is one of the most misunderstood and and most argued concepts, I believe, in all of Christianity, and that is the Sabbath. If you or I had lived in colonial America and behaved as we do today, we all would have spent time in jail with our arms and feet locked into the stocks in public humiliation. Why would that be? Because each one of us has traveled and done things for recreation on Sunday. It was called the Sabbath breaking, and it was against the law. In fact, C.H., Uh, McIntosh, a popular Plymouth Brethren devotional writer of the last century, wrote this. He said, the idea of anyone calling himself a Christian, making the Lord's Day a season of what is popular, called recreation, unnecessary traveling, personal convenience, or profit in temporal things, is perfectly shocking. We are of opinion that such acting could not be too severely censored. We can safely assert that we never yet came in contact with a godly, intelligent, right-minded Christian person who did not love and reverence the Lord's Day, nor could we have any sympathy with anyone who could deliberately desecrate that holy and happy day. Now, you understood what he's saying there. He's saying if you traveled or if you did anything fun or, or if you did any of these things on the holy day, the Sabbath day, then you were in big trouble and you definitely weren't a decent, godly Christian person. Now, I'm not in full agreement uh, with, with these views, but I, I want you to see that we've come a long way, baby. <laughs> I mean, a long ways from what it was in the first century uh, of, of America here um, uh, to, you know, the first, the founding days of America to where we are today. And so most, most American Christians never think twice about watching a football game or, or a race on Sunday or mowing their lawns 
are doing other things on Sunday that would have sent C.H. McIntosh into cardiac arrest. I mean, some, some progressive evangelical churches even offer a Friday night service so that their people can have the rest of the weekend, including Sunday, free for whatever they want to do. So what does the Bible have to say about all of this? That's the, that's the thing that we need to look at. And the good news is that it has quite a bit to say. The bad news is that it isn't always clear how to apply what the Bible says to our church age today. So you have everything today from, from strict seven-day Baptists to the seven-day Advents to evangelicals who see no Christian significance at all in the Sabbath or in the Lord's Day. So each of us must try to rid ourselves of any cultural bias. We need to try to answer the question, what does the Bible teach about the Sabbath for today? So as we, we move to Genesis chapter 2 and, uh, and, and verses 1 to 3, it describes God's day of rest. It says in chapter 2, verses 1 and 3, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. And then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all of his work, which God had created and made. So when, when God created the world, God, we understand God is omnipotent, and God could have spoken the whole creation into existence in an instant. Wouldn't have taken him six days. He could have just said, let everything be that is here today, and it could have been done instantly because he's omnipotent. And so when he was done, God didn't need a day off because he was exhausted from all of the work that he had done. You ever think about that? Why did God have to have a day of rest? He never gets tired. He never grows weary. He, didn't, he wasn't exhausted. God created the world in six days and rested on and sanctified, the Bible says, the seventh day to instruct us. So by his actions at the very beginning of creation, God is telling us that there is a pattern of work and rest for our, our existence here on earth. God, God setting apart the seventh day models the weekly rest and worship that we need whether we think we need it or not. So, so he created to reflect his image. And so we must, we must follow his pattern. Thus our text shows us that God has called us to a weekly day of rest and worship. So, so this afternoon, I, I want to answer really just three questions. I want to I answer a question, what is the Sabbath for? And most, must Christians keep the Sabbath? And then finally, how should we keep the Sabbath? So those are three questions that I want to answer for us this morning. So first of all, what is the Sabbath? Well, the Sabbath is for rest and worship. 
And that's what we saw there in verses 1 to 3. The heaven, thus the heavens and earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all that he had, from all his work which he had done. And then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all of his work which God had created and made. So the word rest there is the root word for Sabbath. That's the root word for Sabbath. It means to cease from busyness. Now in Exodus chapter 31 and verse 17, God said that we are to cease from labor and was refreshed. So the fact that God blessed and sanctified or set apart is what sanctified means. Set apart this day at the completion of creation implies that we are to set apart one day in seven to be different from, from our other normal routines that we do during the week. So on that day, we are we who are made in his likeness are to cease from the work of our other days and to be refreshed in the body and soul as we spend time worshiping our creator. Now there's a big difference between the rest God intends for us and the so-called rest of pursuing leisure and recreation that we have. Now there's a lot there's a lot that can go into this, and, and, and we in no way want to become legalistic in anything or, or too lax or judgmental in any of it. I just remember that when I was growing up, we did not go, I wasn't saved until I was a freshman in high school. My grandparents um, uh, were, were pretty strict in their, in their moral beliefs. We went to a Methodist church. And, uh, and it was always about you have to do certain things to be able to be good enough to go to heaven. And one of those things was how you treated the Sabbath day. They called Sunday the Sabbath day. And so the things that I could never understand, it was okay on Sunday afternoon for us to go out and play baseball together or to play basketball. Or if we were at the lake, I could go water skiing but I could not fish. Fishing was, was taboo on, on the Lord's Day. We didn't eat out on the Lord's Day. We didn't buy food on the Lord's Day. We didn't do any of those things because it caused other people to work. But we could drive home from the lake and if we needed gasoline, we could stop and get gasoline and we could get a candy bar in the gas station because they had to work anyways. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It, it, things can get so, so complicated here. And so we, today in our society, when we, talk about, when we talk about rest, we include in that pleasure and recreation. And we are probably a more leisure time and recreationally equipped than any other culture in history, and yet we are burning out like light bulbs. All the time you hear people say, I'm just so stressed out. I'm just burning out. I just, life is so busy for me. And yet we, we take our day of rest and we do leisure and activities. I can't help but wonder if a major part of our problem is that we've neglected God-ordained cycle of a weekly day of rest and worship when we cease doing our thing 
and we devote the day to taking delight in the Lord. See, recreation, recreation may refresh the body, but we need worship to, ref to refresh the soul. Amen. So recreation is often self-centered while worship focuses on the Lord and not on ourselves. We're, we're God-centered. The fact that God sanctified and blessed the seventh day means that it is a special day that is set apart from the other six days of the week. And since he sanctified and blessed this day, it belongs to him. It doesn't belong to us, really. And it should not be a day for doing what we normally do, but rather a day to take the time out of our busy lives and our busy schedule in order to spend time with the Lord and his people. Now, often we are so busy during the week that time with the Lord gets squeezed out of our daily lives. I hear people all the time say, I just don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to do I've got such a busy life that during the week we squeeze God out of our, uh, out of our daily life. And, and we don't take the time to read God's word or pray or reflect on whether our lives are pleasing him any day of the week then. Taking time to spend with someone is a way of saying, I love you. You are important to me. Taking one day a week to be with the Lord says, Lord, I love you, and I want to get to know you better because you're first in my life. Amen. So on this set-apart day, we should rest from our normal work and take the time to be with the Lord and to worship with his people. So what is God's intent for such a rest and, and worship? Well, the Sabbath rest and worship are both to honor God and to benefit man. And honor God's and benefit man. So the first day of existence, think about it. The first day of existence for Adam was a day of rest. The first day. Later, God assigned him tasks to do. But the first, day, the first order of business was for this newly created man was a day of rest. What do you, what do you suppose Adam did that day? It, it's likely that God told Adam about the world that he had just created. I mean, can you imagine just all of a sudden you're here? You, you, you weren't a baby at one time and you grew up and you saw everything around you. You just all of a sudden, God breathed breath into your nostril, and, and you're alive, and you look around and say, huh, where'd this all come from? In fact, where'd I come from? Who am I? You know, what's this all about? And so I can imagine that that first day, Adam had a lot of questions for God. Because you see, he created him with an intellect already developed wasn't something that needed to be developed as a, as a baby grows and develop in their intellect and their understanding. The intellect was already there. And so it's likely that God told Adam about the world that he had just created, and thus Adam is in communion with God, living in a perfect environment, reflected on the, on the greatness and the majesty of the goodness of God, and he enjoyed fellowship with God and thought about the wonder of himself, a, a, a creature being able to commune with, with God, the creator who, who created all this stuff. And that first Sabbath was spent in rest and worship. 
Thinking about God, thinking about what he created, thinking about who I am and how I relate to this God who created me. And so worship is, is not for our benefit, but to honor God as the almighty creator and, and redeemer who alone is worthy of praise and glory. Amen. But the, the byproduct, the byproduct of worship is that we are blessed by blessing God. And that's what we experience when we come to church, isn't it? We come to church because we want to honor God, because we want to exalt the Son, because we want to worship God, we want to, we want to focus on God, and we walk out saying, wow, wasn't that great? I didn't come so that I could, you know, have good feelings. I came to worship God, but the byproduct of my worshiping God is that I leave blessed by God because I blessed him. And so when we set aside one day in seven to stop doing our normal work and to worship God, we are benefited from that. And I believe that a lot of the stresses of our life will begin to go away. As Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath in Mark 2, 27. And so you say, well, that's all, that's all well and good. So far as it pertains to, uh, pertains to Adam and, and, and later to Israel, but we're not under the law, are we? Well, that leads to our second question. Must Christians keep the Sabbath? Because that's the thing that a lot of people will argue. Well, well, we're not under the law, so we shouldn't have to keep the Sabbath. Here is where the controversy really rages. There are three main views of this whole area. There's the seven, Seventh-day Baptists and the Seventh-day Advents, that say that Christians must strictly observe Saturday as Sabbath, as ordained by God at creation and in the Mosaic Law. The second view follows the Westminster Confession, transfers Sabbath obedience and observance from Saturday to Sunday, making the Christian Sabbath. So they say Sunday is the Christian Sabbath. And that follows the Westminster Confession. The third view is that the Sabbath was a part of the law of Israel. And since we are not under the law, it is not applicable to the church at all. And this is probably the view that most evangelical Christians take today. Is that, that, that the Sabbath was a part of the law of Israel. And since we're not under the law... It is not applicable for the church today. We're under the day of grace. Now, I'm somewhere between the second and the third view. I do not believe that Sunday should be a strict, observed Christian Sabbath. But neither am I comfortable casting off the Sabbath principles altogether. You see, Sunday is the Lord's day. We see that in Revelation 1.10. This means that Sunday belongs to him. The Bible clearly says that Sunday, the first day of the week, is the Lord's day. And there are principles in the Sabbath, both as established at creation and under the Mosaic law, which apply to the Christian observance or celebration of the Lord's day. Now, while we are not under the law, there is much in the law which applies, uh, applies beneficially to us today. So the prevailing view today, which sees Sunday as a day to go to church 
and then do whatever you please, I believe is robbing God's people the blessing he intended at creation by setting apart one day in seven to cease from our work and to focus on our creator and redeemer. Now, let's take a minute to talk about that. The principle of, of Sabbath stemming from both creation and the law is, I believe, valid for today. Now, like I said, there's a debate about whether the Sabbath was instituted at creation with applications to all, all people or in the Ten Commandments as applying only to Israel. And those who say it was only for Israel argue that Genesis 2 and Exodus 16, both of which occurred before the giving of the Ten Commandments, by the way, were, were anticipatory and not prescriptive. So without going into all of the arguments of the pros and cons of that this afternoon, it seems to me that a, a normal reading of Genesis chapter 2 and verses 1 to 3 would lead us to say that God's ordering of creation and resting on the seventh day had some instructive purposes as it applies to Adam and all of his descendants. Remember the principle of interpretation that we talked about a couple weeks ago. If the main sense makes sense, seek no other sense. And when you read it, we see, the, we see the, 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 the simple reading of the word would talk there that there is a rhythm of work and rest that is built into creation and applies to all who are created in God's image, whether they know it or observe it or not. So another debate concerning whether the Sabbath as the fourth commandment is part of the moral or the ceremonial law. If it's a part of the ceremonial law, then obviously we, we, we need not regard it since no Christian claims that we must observe the Jews' laws of diet and purification and sacrifice and all those. We don't do that. That's part of the ceremonial law. But if it, if it, if it is a part of the moral law, then it would be binding on us since the moral law stems from the holiness of God, which does not change. It would be tough to argue that there is no moral aspect to the Sabbath commandment since the rest of the Ten Commandments are clearly moral. So the moral aspect is the fact that, that it provides for a regular worship of God which is binding upon all human beings. The Bible is very clear that we are to worship God. And so as Christians, we are not under the law, but we're under grace, Paul tells us in Romans 6.14 and in Colossians 2.16 and 17. So the meaning of that is, is really kind of a sticky theological issue, but I, I, I see it as entailing two things, if we want to break it down this way. Number one, in, in, in the first, first place, we are not under the Jewish ceremonial laws, nor under the laws which apply to Israel as a um, theocratic nation. We're not a theocratic nation. We do not have to wash in order to be ceremonially clean. We don't stone adulterers today, or homosexuals today, or rebellious children today. Those things apply only to Israel as the theocratic people of God. God was absolute in control. We live in a democracy, 
And that's a different, that's a whole different animal than the theocratic control that they had in the days of Israel. Second, not to be under the law means that we are not under the principle of law as a means of relating to God. As a means of relating to God. The law was given in part to show sinful man that he could not live up to the holiness of God on his own. That's what the law was all about. We've broken the law, every one of us. We fall short. That's why Paul said that, that, that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Because we broke the law. What law? God's law. And so we see, we see that. So under grace, God gives us the Holy Spirit so that the requirement of the law is fulfilled in us who walk according to the Spirit, Paul says in Romans chapter 8 and verses 1 to 4, chapter 10 and verse 4. So when it comes to the Sabbath then, we are not under the rigorous Jewish regulation of that day. But there is a moral aspect of the Sabbath. That, that of the proper worship of God and stewardships of our lives, which require us to set aside a day each week to rest from our normal work so that we can worship God. It stems both from creation and from the law, moral law of God as revealed in the Ten Commandments. As, as, we, as we walk in the Spirit and we grow in the love of God, we will work, He will work in us, the desire to honor him by setting aside a day for him each week. Not as, a, not as a duty of law, but as a delight of love. Now, now of course, I know there's, there's a lot of questions then about, well, what, what about nurses and doctors and, and, you know, policemen and things like that? And, and those things, there again, we're not talking about legalism here. We're talking about the ability to set aside a day to worship God and to give to him. So the day of Sabbath rest and worship for the Christian, should it be Sunday, the Lord's Day? That's what I believe. I disagree with those who worship on Saturday as if that is the day we're supposed to worship. I don't agree with that. But I also disagree with the progressive evangelical churches which have a congregation that meets only on Friday evening or some other day of the week, but they don't meet at all on Sunday because they want to free your whole weekend up so you can just do whatever you want to do. I think there are solid reasons why we should set aside Sunday as the Lord's Day. Again, I'm not trying to be legalistic here, but I believe that there's reasons why we should do that. And the main reason... It's, it's important to observe Sunday as the Lord's Day. Is that is the day that our Lord arose from the dead, the first day of the week. Matthew 28, 1 tells us that. Mark 16, 2 tells us that. Luke 24, 1 tells us that. John 20, verse 1 tells us that. That fact alone is enough reason to gather and celebrate on Sunday. This is a day that Christ grows from the dead. This is a day that, that we rejoice in because we serve a risen Savior. Amen. It's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever man may say. Amen. I see his hand of mercy. I see it in my life. I see what he's doing. I see all that. And I should worship him on his day. At least six of our Lord's eight resurrection appearances recorded in the gospel took place on Sunday. So after he rose from the dead, they were on Sunday that people saw him, six of them. 
It was on Sunday that the Holy Spirit was given at Pentecost. On, the, on, on Sunday, when the people were gathered together to worship God. The early church gathered on Sunday to break bread, to listen to the teaching of the scriptures, to give their offering. Acts 20, verse 7 tells us, 1 Corinthians 16, 2. It was on the Lord's day that John received the great revelation of Christ in his present glory in, in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10. And so in addition, from, from early in the second century on, there are many testimonies that the Christians gathered together on Sunday to worship God. And so by worshiping on the Lord's day, we affirm his resurrection along with the saints down through history. And so it's important to us to set aside Sunday as the Lord's Day, a day when the principle, not the letter, of the Sabbath can be observed. So one more question remains. And that is, how should we keep the Sabbath? How should we keep it? As I said, I, I don't agree with calling the Lord's Day a Christian Sabbath, so perhaps we should, should ask, how should we observe the Lord's Day? Should, should we... Uh, should we require our kids not to play on the Lord's Day? Or not to fish, in my case, on the Lord's Day? Are we allowed to go to the store? Should we go to the, to the restaurants making other people work? What about those who have jobs that require them to work on Sunday? Like I, I already said, doctors and nurses and, and uh, EMTs and police. And I can't deal with every question you might have because I can come up with a lot of questions myself in this whole area. But let me just state two broad principles of observing the Lord's Day. Number one, don't observe it legalistically. Don't do that. It's never good to do anything legalistically. We run into all kinds of problems. So God looks at our heart, not on the outward observance of man-made rules, because we can come up with all kinds of rules and, and then be the kind of the, you know, the, the Christian Gestapos that were running around, oh, he, he, he swept his sidewalk today. You know, that, we, that was part of the rule that you can't do that on Sunday or whatever. I mean, that's what we find a lot of the Jews doing. The history of the Jews show how prone we are to set up rules, though, that are not from God, and we take pride in keeping them even though our hearts are far from God. And that's what happened to the Jews. They had all of the extra laws that they tacked onto the law that God gave to, to, to restrict people. And they looked good on the outside. But Jesus said, you're full of dead men's bones. You whitewashed the outside. You were legalistic on the outside. You came up with all kinds of regulation. But your heart is far from me. So we all tend to judge others by our own standards based on outward matters. If I don't think we should do this and that person thinks it's okay to do that, then I will judge that person based on outward, what I see on the outside, and it has nothing to do with their heart or their motive or why they did it. And so you see, we need to be careful about being legalistic in this area. All such judging is sin because it stems from pride. And the idea of the Lord's Day is not to produce a list of things you can and cannot do. Legalism does not produce godliness, Colossians 2, 16 to 23 tells us. 
Well, then secondly, observe it joyfully before God. Observe it joyfully before God. View the Lord's Day as a gift from God, not as a duty that we need to fulfill. God has established many principles for our benefits, principles of health and nutrition and mental outlook and emotional well-beings and relationships. The principle of one day each week set aside from our hectic lives to rest and worship God is for our benefit. It really is. It isn't to be something that, that, that is rigorous and hard for us to do, but we recognize it as a benefit from God. My body needs the rest. And, and, and I know oftentimes for me, uh, Sunday's not a very restful day a lot of times for me. And, and so that's why I like to try to take off Monday so I can get the rest that I need from, from just exhaustion of, of doing Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night service, and, 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 and just spending time, you know, talking about um, the Word of God or maybe counseling somebody or whatever. I'll still worship on Sunday. I'll still worship God on Monday. You know, I think we should worship God every day. So we're not legalistic about that. And so for me, a day of rest sometimes is a different day than Sunday because I'm just exhausted by the end of the day. In fact, you guys all know how much I love to eat. And usually I am so exhausted by the time Sunday, Sunday evening comes around, I don't eat before service. I don't eat after service either. I'm just not hungry. You can ask my wife. I, a lot of times I don't eat anything just because I'm just drained. And so, so our day of rest needs to be beneficial for us. God who made us built the principle into creation, and we violate it just as we do the law of gravity to our peril. Well, you might burn the candle at both ends for a few weeks, seven days straight in a row, but sooner or later it's going to catch up with you, doesn't it? Yes, it does. I don't care how young you are. You can't keep doing that. We weren't made to do that. So gather with God's people on the Lord's Day. It ought to be a day of celebrating the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ with others he has redeemed. Part of, of your time on Sunday ought to be spent on reflecting on who God is as our creator. Think about, think about his sacrificial death for you. Rejoice in the finished work of Christ that, that, that you can rest in all that he, he is and and, and cease from your own efforts to merit God's favor through good works? Reflect on your relationship with him. Think back over the busy week that has just gone by. Did it, did it reflect the, the direction it should for a child of God? Think about the week that's to come. Does your schedule reflect the proper priorities and what you're going to do in this coming week? Will people see God in your life? And make sure that any known sin is confessed and put away. It's a good day to do that, to, to really stop and look. Is there sin in my life that I haven't, that I haven't uh, confessed yet, that I need to get right with God? Because sin robs us of God's rest. Use the Lord's day to serve him and to do good deeds. Jonathan Edwards points out that since God sanctified and blessed the Sabbath, and since the risen Lord Jesus revealed himself to the disciples on Sunday, and since he poured out his spirit on the church on that day, it is a day when the Lord especially delights to confer his grace and blessing on those who seek him. And if Jesus, if Jesus appeared bodily to you 
today on Sunday and would say, I would like to spend time with you today. Would you give, give me this time? Would you say, well, I'd like to, Lord, but you see, my day's pretty full. Because after church, I have this to do, and I have that to do, and I have this place to go to, and I need to run over to Walmart and, and get some shopping done, and there's a couple of shows that I want to watch on TV, and I don't, I, I don't want to miss those. Maybe the next time, Lord, catch up with me next week and see if it's a better week. How many of us would say that if he came to us and said, I want to just spend this day with you to bless you? Every Sunday, the Lord is saying, I want to spend time with you. I want to bless you. Will you set this day apart for me? Observing a weekly day set apart unto the Lord is a gift of our time. It's not really our time since God graciously gave us every day. He's the one who allows us to breathe and wake up in the morning. He's given it to us. But he asked us to give the first day of the week back to him. It's not easy in our busy schedule to stop and give a day to God, is it? The busier you are, the more you honor someone when you give that person your time. Give the Lord one day each week says that you honor him. It's like giving money. It's never easy to give our tithe. It always costs you something. But if you give only that which doesn't cost you, did you really give? You see, giving to the Lord a day each week from our busy schedule will cost us our time from our many projects and our plans, but we will be blessed for doing it. The Lord said through Isaiah, he said in Isaiah 58, 13 and 14, if you turn away from, if you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing my pleasures on my holy day and calling the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasures, nor speaking your own words, that you shall delight yourself in the Lord. And I will cause you to rise on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. God said, you give me this day and I'll bless you. It's just like with our tithe. Probably most of us in here this morning understands the principle of giving. We can't outgive the Lord. We give to the Lord our tithe and God gives back. We give the Lord our time. And he said, I'll, I'll put you up on the top, high hills and I will bless you. God blessed and sanctified one day a week. Don't you think we should follow his example? Amen. Amen. Let's pray.